Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Youth Critic Podcast on the Youth Critic Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Youth Critic Podcast. I'm your host, Kel Smith. Joining me this week is David Weiser from Film Assessment. Hey, everybody. It's good to be back again. And uh, so, David, um, what movies uh, are we talking about this week? Adam Driver and The Last Jet. Oh, The Last Duel. And then uh, Halloween Kills. Yes, 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 yes. And um, so to kind of explain how we're going to do this, we're going to talk about The Last Duel. We're going to get it out of the way first because A, both David and I agree that this is a, that The Last Duel is a really good movie, or we both recommend it. And, or, yeah. And, uh, and on top of that, like, there's a little bit, I have stuff to say about Halloween Kills. Uh, David um, has some things to say. Um and uh, and so we'll get to the more um, box office, well, you know, juggernaut of the weekend at the end. But um, starting with Last Duel, uh, David, what did you think of the Last Duel? Oh, I really liked it. Um, I thought, well, I guess this is the first film we've seen from Ridley Scott since All the Money in the World. Or, okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it's been a while since we've seen a film from him, um, four years, I guess. And well, we got two. We all two. We got we're getting two Ridley Scott movies this year. We got Two Moon twenty seventeen because we got Alien Covenant as well that year, and then we have Kawasaki coming up. Um, I really liked it a lot. I I loved the Rashomon style approach to telling the story. I thought that was really fascinating. We we I, I'll I'll wait and kind of dive into it more in more detail uh, when we get there. But um, I think that was probably one of the bigger takeaways. All this like this has an A list ensemble and everyone's great. Uh, Ridley's direction's great. Um, there were some there were more action sequence type. Uh, I, I wouldn't call it full out action sequence, but like brief glimpses of combat, I guess. 
like it's not a full out action sequence because it's very brief but like they're here and there i wasn't expecting as much of that in here as there was so i was kind of pleasantly surprised and it was very intense and it kind of harkened back a lot like it, it, it was very gruesome it's a lot more violent and gruesome than i was expecting it to be and i kind of like that um yeah great like medieval epic type story um with um that's relevant to a lot of things going on today as well <laughs> oh yeah i mean this is a as much as it is a medieval movie it's a political thriller it is a um court drama it's i mean it's a it's a survivor survivor story uh, well even that it's it's a story of you know victimhood and i mean especially in the last third of the movie because the last third of the movie is when we finally cut to you know what happened with uh jody comer's uh margarette margarette's character and you know in the whole time it's just entirely and but you know we had to learn about these two men, the story of these two men and their kind of rivalry, their, you know, how, you know, this, how in a way the system, if you will, kind of betrayed all these, you know, kind of turned these men, you know, to jealous, you know, like it's, it's a much more complex story than just, you know, Margaret's character, Jodie Comer's character, Margaret, you know, getting raped. It's all of what has been combing to, to that moment. And uh, and yeah, it and 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 also it's anchored by you know some incredible performances while we're at it. Um, but yes, it's it's a lot going on in a two and a half hour movie. And at the end of the movie, uh, not to spoil everything, but you still don't feel very comfortable about what's happened, what's happened, the resolution. Like you're like I think I tweeted you or texted you this earlier today, but like man, this weekend's just the the weekend of no, <laughs> there's no good you know there's no good endings like there's no happy ending this is the no happy ending weekend because yeah both Halloween Kills and uh, this movie have very uncomfortable endings if you will not to spoil just yet but yeah um but yeah. So it what's stood out to you about this kind of Rushamon styles movie? I loved how you could see kind of the skewed perspective of each character that was telling their version of the truth. Like I, I was especially fascinated with like kind of the differences between Adam Drivers and Matt Damon's. Like those were the kind of the ones that kind of differed the most. Like there you would see the same, some of them it was this, it wasn't entirely the same moments from each character's perspective but anytime they shared a scene together you would see that scene again and it was interesting to see it was interesting to see it three times in some cases um and kind of see finally like the more objective truth as to like where matt damon's character kind of like puts himself in a better light and kind of puts Adam Driver's character in a negative light and kind of vice versa. And it was kind of interesting, like both of them start with that battle sequence where they're like charging the thing and how it's interesting that 
and Matt Damon's version, he's the one that calls the troops and like kind of like it's like the hoorah, like one leading the charge oh, and yeah. saved Adam Driver's mm -hmm. life. And then in Adam Driver's, it's vice versa, like it switched. And I thought that that was fascinating. And kind of this, um, and it's interesting because even from the skewed perspective, you can kind of see seeds of the truth in each story. And you can kind of, with all of them together, you can kind of piece together, especially with Jodie Comer's, like how both of these men are flawed. And you can see even in their skewed perspective, they're both kind of right about each other in certain instances. Like when Matt Damon confronts Ben Affleck and Adam Driver in that tent and kind of, it cuts away and he tells Jodie Comer what he told them. And he tells them something totally different from what Adam Driver's because um, when, when you see Adam Driver's version of the truth, you actually see him and he kind of like starts whining. He kind of like kind of goes into like a little rant, like tirade, like he's uh, like he's a like having... <laughs> like he's yeah. this, you and, know, captain. Yeah. And like that particular moment was definitely to me like something where even though Adam Driver's perspective is skewed against him, I felt like that was very much what happened. And he has this kind of like little man syndrome type of like, and I think it's interesting that this movie came out the same year as Green Knight. And while they're totally different movies, they deal with a lot of the same ideas of like honor and defending your honor and things like that in terms of like what that like early knighthood. Um, I thought that was kind of fascinating. Absolutely. I mean, what you know, is great about, you know, the first, about each of the, the acts of dealing with, the chapters dealing with the men is you get to see how, you know, their actions, you know, create the character, like how, is it in subtle ways, like it's in very subtle ways, like, I mean, you see like Matt Damon, you brought up, you know, it's very hurrah, hurrah, I'm the hero, I'm the tragic figure with the, you know, you know, assaulted wife, um, I'm, you know, been wronged all this, you know, time by Adam Driver's uh, Legritz. So, I mean, you have all of this, you know, baggage, I mean, he's telling, and then you get, and then even better, like, once you know Matt Damon's character, uh, Jean, and then you know Legritz, uh, Driver, and then you get to Jody Comer, it, you understand, like, oh, yeah, both of these men are just pieces of shit. They're absolutely mm. terrible human beings. Um, because, you know, like you said, Matt Damon has the little man syndrome. Adam Driver is, you know, basically kind of consumed by the fraternity lifestyle that Ben Affleck's um, Lord character, um, you mm. know, kind of manifests and, you know, kind of nurtures, if you will. You know, and, um, and then you get to Comer, who's just like, you know, I'm a strong, even hers is like, I'm a strong, competent woman. I know how to, you know, you know, do banking. I know how to run my, the, the business that her and Damon's character has. Um, she's a lot nicer to the, you know, innkeepers. Um, and then, but even better, like when we get to the two rape scenes in Driver and Comer's story, it's, it, it Driver, yeah, in Drivers, it's very much like in his perception of of the events, it was very much like a playful, like 
even though she she says no she like objects to it in his version like the way it's depicted seems much more like playful and like she's like kind of like not entire like it's not you know what i mean yeah it's still it's still rape but it's not as horrific Mm -hmm. or it's not like as physically horrific as you know we when we get to commerce so in and, and and to me, like that's where like the trick of Ridley Scott's like cinematic language is that he's establishing is he's using the character's perspectives, their kind of self-image of themselves to of and you know, and what you know they're trying to convey to everyone to get the most sympathy. Because we also have to keep in mind these stories are being told in like a courtroom style, but like through you know, visual language, we're recanting the story. So, so, so in that case, I mean, each story tells every little bit about the character without having to say, it. like, it's all subtly well done. And I have to commend the screenplay and the direction here because there's, because this could easily, because Ridley Scott has even made movies himself where, like, the the sexism of it all was just way too overt, not looking at you, Hannibal. Um, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you, you, but like here, it's like he's like honed the craft of, you know, okay, this is what the story's about. This is what, you know, is at stake. And, and it makes the last 30 minutes of this movie even more compelling. Yeah. Um, and even worse, like, even worse, like, so. Do we have any more to say before we get to spoilers? Uh, we can go ahead and jump into spoilers. <laughs> okay, so when we get to the last 30 minutes, now that we're all caught up, uh, and we, we're, we have the three stories, um, we get to the duel, which is technically you know, shown a little bit in the prologue, but we cut to the actual duel at the very end. And by this point, I mean, we're really just hoping for Jodie Comer just to get any kind of justice, even though at that point she's regretted the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's when the story kind of becomes so much about, like, not only just about the Me Too movement, but just about sur- just surviving and navigating the justice system yeah. of, you know, of this world, especially when, you know, even the defense, like even like the courts themselves have been like, are, are against you. Like you feel the whole justice system against you. And like, like, yeah, like this movie is just so uncomfortably powerful. Mm-hmm. And then like, kind of like the toxic masculinity of both sides kind of wanting to like, Adam Driver wanting to like, put it like even though he like kind of confesses in private to Ben Affleck's character that that did happen but he doesn't he he refuses it as rape but he does say like um they like but like Ben Affleck's like no you've got to refuse it all like you can't let him drag your name uh whereas like then you have uh, Matt Damon's side of it where he's like kind of offended that like well, like, I think, like, kind of the most telling thing about Matt Damon's was when 
right after when he when his wife tells him in his version he's very comforting and um kind of like a he treats her like a good husband should or like an ideal husband and then when you see Jodie Comer's it's not that way at all and then he like he he, he her basic, yeah he basically rapes her and tells her like I can't let him be the last one to have had sex with you essentially and it's just like what the fuck like these men are so oh like, yeah so like no matter what Jody Comer is in a bad situation mm-hmm. um like and even worse like she's trying to get justice but everyone is like going against her on it like even the mother-in-law is like I've been raped and I didn't say anything yeah and it's just like oh my like wow I mean you just get like you know how all this chivalry all of this like show of like knighthood and all this that you 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 brought up the green knight it's all for nothing it's all this you know for bravado mm-hmm. and, and and then we get to the duel where I mean you know it, it is like all of like what Matt Damon is doing is just for pride he has been screwed over, like, he feels he's been screwed over by Adam Driver so long that, you know, if he wins this, he has at least some semblance of pride. But then, you know, but then, you know, if he loses, I mean, everyone dies. Like, they both yeah. are, they're both dead. And then Adam Driver just gets away with it. Which, even, like, in his story, it's hinted that he's very much, like, he like the seeds are planted that he could rape because you see the you know earlier on you know in the first like fraternity or I, I'm mentioning the fraternity but like first scene where he like just grabs a woman just lays on her in a bed yeah like yeah it's already there but it's like again it's that whole playful notion so or yeah yeah and it's interesting that like even in their warped perspective, you can kind of see through the bullshit and see the flaws of their character, even though they're like kind of putting themselves in a bit more positive light. And like like what you just said with Adam Driver, and you can see it with some with Matt Damon's, not really with Jodie Comer, because her flaws aren't as damaging to her moral character as those two, like nowhere near the same extent at all. <laughs> But um, yeah, I thought I thought that was kind of pretty fascinating. Yeah, I mean, even her flaws are just out of night nativity. Like, mm-hmm. she's just a good person. Just like you know, because when she hears about the you know horse losing the shoe and the guy just wanting to come in, she's just like, well, sh- whatever. I mean, I know this person, so you know, and that's the even like harder part is that she knew this person. She was alone. And, and he was, took advantage of her and absolutely. let that happen basically. Yeah. And, and then when her when she tells her friend about it, and her friend, even her best friend, doesn't believe her because she's like, You said he was handsome. Yeah. It, that's even more terrifying. It's like the whole even the people you thought you could trust are just like, no, no. You said he was handsome. Like how 
And then the whole idea of, you know, science of, you know, you can't get raped or you can't get pregnant. If you don't have, well, it's like, it's not, it's like, you can't get pregnant if you don't have pleasure, if it's not pleasurable. It's like, and then they're asking her if it was pleasurable and she's like, no, I was being raped. (laughs) If it's against my will, that wasn't pleasurable at all. And there's this board of men that are just like, kind of like grilling her about that. And it's just like, oof. Well, it's just this whole idea of, like, all these men, like, think that, you know, oh, they, they finally scored and made the woman happy. They're, it, it, it fruits, you know, it, it bears a child. Like, it's this, you know, male bravado. Again, it's this, you know, it's this, you know, takedown of male bravado. You know, like, this woman is defined, like, defying like you know like yes i probably did get pregnant by being raped but i wasn't enjoying it like i wasn't and that's what's like so even more like it adds more to the horror of the whole thing Mm -hmm. like she doesn't even know and she probably i mean i guess the final shot of the movie proves it wasn't drivers but you know but i mean still you it would be hard for her to back then to know for sure. Yeah. And then like, even though Matt Damon's character is really like one of the few people that's on her side, even he like almost turns against her because he's like, you think he's handsome, blah, 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 you know? Yeah. It's just, I mean, which is like, like of all the things to worry about, like you're going to a duel where someone has to die and you're worried about like you know your wife who's been raped you know thinking the other guy is handsome like man well it just go like again it just shows how crummy all these people are and the reason why i kind of look at the movie is like the journey of what's happening to these people is more important Mm -hmm. hold on let me take this call for just a second okay where were we at the uh we were talking about how he's still he matt damon's character took such offense that she thought adam driver's character was handsome and we were kind of on that thread (laughs) oh yeah and then she has to point out, I mean, she literally has to point out to him that, you know, you're risking your life for your pride and while also risking my life. Like, this movie, like, this movie is a horror movie for, like, for women. It, this is a horror movie because it is about, like, how it's a struggle to get any kind of justice in this world. And on top of that, you... The, the movie, like the journey of it is more important than the conclusion because what happens at the end of the movie where Driver is killed and and Damon's character is, you know, victor, victorious, which to be honest, I kind the movie kind of spells that, you know, Damon's character will be victorious, in my opinion. Like, I think it kind of does. Like, you kind of have the ending spelled out because he's because Damon's the more like you know worn torn character he's the more like you know skillful at killing you know where driver is very much the death jockey 
in a way. <clears throat> so it so to me, I kind of describe the movie as it's the journey that matters more. Mm -hmm. Um because you know at the end of the movie, no one's very comfortable. Even Comer like when they, you know, Comer and Damon see each other at the end, I mean it's just with other disdain. Like he hates her and you know, she's disgusted by him. Like they're very much disgusted with each other. <clears throat> and and, and and yeah, like and I mean the happier ending is that Matt Damon's character died five years later. Yeah. That's the happier ending. He died during the crusades and she never remarried. Like that's how this like bleak this movie is. Is that the happy ending is that he died later <laughs> so it didn't even matter. So like that's yeah, that's the more bleaker ending. But yeah. Um is is there anything else you wanted to mention about the last duel? Um nothing I could think of. I feel like we kind of touched most of it. Okay. Another thing I would just like to mention, um, Derek Wolski, again, great cinematography and mm. just like really good look. I mean, it's it's going to be different than what John Richardson has done for Robin Hood and Gladiator, um, obviously, but I mean, still, like, Derek Wolski bringing it in, great stuff. Um, love Ben Affleck's performance. Like, that could have easily been like the worst performance of the year. Because it's yeah. Because when you look at Ben Affleck, it's just like it's so not the Affleck character, but I mean somehow Ben Affleck pulls it off. Mm -hmm. It's perfect. Um, and then Harry Gregson Williams score. Oh, oh yeah, uh, agreed with all that. Technically, it's like all pretty much every department was did very well. <laughs> yeah, I'm. You know, and the movie bombed, but because it cost a hundred million to make, and it made only nine million over the worldwide total, I believe. Um, yeah. yeah. Guys, please well, go see it House out. of Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Releasing it in the same weekend as a Halloween movie in October was not the smartest move. <laughs> and sandwiched in between. Uh, no time to die. No time to and die and Dune. Like, and, and I get it. Like, something was gonna have to, you know, give because all these movies now kind of need to come out um, that have been delayed for a year or year and a half. But I mean, boy, <laughs> uh, Disney's been of... dumping a lot of their Fox movies. Like last year, like early pandemic, like they released a lot of them like in the early like right when theaters reopened and like almost all of them flopped <laughs> yeah like i'm almost i don't want to say worried for west side story but i'm um, in nightmare alley but like those two movies are both coming out like very quickly and around the same time as no way home the matrix um mm -hmm. is it oh I feel like the Kingsman might be one of the ones that underperforms because 
like just kind of being in the mix of all that like it, it would have been smart of them to push it off even more or just have released it earlier in the year yeah like but. or because i mean the movie's been delayed for two years like it was supposed to come out in november 2019 and then it got pushed to i don't even know when in 2020 but i mean it just kept getting pushed and pushed and pushed and now it's just like yeah it's just it's there's no it's it's coming out of christmas but i have no i don't have any hope for it because may, people are more interested in the matrix and it's been like four yeah it's i, I will say that the west side story does have the advantage of coming out a week before um, and it's kind of counter programming to all those ones because the people that are going to go see a musical reimagining of a classic a reimagining of a classic musical are not the same people that are going to want to go see spider-man necessarily or matrix you know yeah i mean there's going to be some cross uh, yeah like but like like we we're kind of the overlap that love film in general like the cinephiles are going to go to everything but mm -hmm. um just speaking general about the general audience right absolutely it's boy it's gonna be a crazy it's gonna be crazy december in november like i mean there's still stuff coming out in november but i mean it, it's a it's it's eternals to win like after yeah eternals, it's pretty it kind of makes me think that like some of these december movies it would be smart for them to move up to november kind of like what venom did where it was gonna come out I don't know, sometime later in the year and they ended up bumping it up. Yeah, it's actually supposed to come out this weekend and then they bumped it up two weeks because of the whole uh, -G, uh success. Mm -hmm. So I, then, I feel like some of those December movies could do the same and they would benefit from that. If they're ready, I, I don't know if all of them, I mean, I would assume they would have to be locked and ready by now. Oh yeah, I mean... Well, I mean, I know we were about to have the IOC strike, but I mean, they would have had to have been. Yeah, they would have been locked because, uh, yeah, that would have really messed. Not to say that the IOC strike, you know, not, not to say that the IOC strike, you know, was, was bad because it was definitely needed. It was a definitely needed strike, but I would just have, but yeah, they would have had to have been this weekend, if not, you know, by by tomorrow. So, um, but yes, uh, the last duel. Please go see it before Fox takes it out or Disney takes it out. Um, I mean, how often are you going to see Disney have given a hundred million dollars to like a rape court drama? Yeah. Um, go see it. Um, if not, go see House of Gucci, so at least Ridley Scott has one hit this year. <laughs>
Um, um, you know what? Let's just go full spoilers on this because I don't know how okay. to not like avoid it. Okay. Anyway, um, David, uh, you take the first swing. So I had not seen the 2018 one till yesterday, and I watched. So yesterday I rewatched the original 1978. Then I watched the 2018 one for the first time. I didn't like it. <laughs> and then I went ahead and watched Halloween Kills as well. Um, I also didn't like it. <laughs> um, I feel like there's just like the writing behind these sequels is just very all over the place. And like they think like just because they kind of touch on these like serious world issues, like they think they like they like kind of feel like it's kind of self-congratulatory about just like barely touching on these things and like they're just so surface level and shallow and then like the like even like be, in, even putting that aside like just like the logic of these movies is just all over the place and it just like as you're watching it you're just like this is so stupid like these characters are making insanely idiotic decisions which happens in a lot of horror movies but sometimes you can like put your suspension of a suspension of disbelief or like kind of is enough to kind of be like oh well you know like this needed to happen so blah 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 blah, blah. but like in this in this scenario like a lot of things stuck out to me where i was just like why this doesn't make any sense um and yeah, there there are some like really hilariously bad moments in this or like really hilariously terrible lines of dialogue that just made me laugh. Um, yeah, so there's there's moments like that in this movie that I, I can say it's maybe at least worth watching for that. Or if you're like a die, I mean, if you're a diehard fan of this franchise, I'm sure you already saw it. So me telling you, otherwise if you're not then there's at least that to take away from it but yeah okay so i am on the fence on this move because on one hand i think david gordon green is a director um i think for the most part like he does an excellent job with the direction the cinematography even the flashback stuff uh, going back to 1978, like it blew my mind how well, like it looked like Dean Cundey's cinematography, like it, like it, it Matt, and even like the visual effect of Loomis being in there. Like you know, I'm sure it's probably the same tech that we use for Luke and Mandalorian or whatever, but it still like was convincingly good. Like it was still like like the craftsmanship is still good, even like the say what you will about the gory scenes themselves and I definitely and you and I definitely will get into it but um like they're still well crafted like this is a movie where at least it you know it's not going for full CG blood or full you know just it's not cheapening it's not going cheap on the special effects with that said though <laughs> This movie is very gratuitous and very gory, and I think there is something to be said when you hold back some of the times you do hold back your gratuitous gore. And there are moments in this movie where I feel like we should have cut back 
or at least Gordon and Gordon Green and his team should have cut back. Because yeah, it was very over the top in terms of its violence. Oh yeah, it's super gory. Like in on top of that, like it's nasty and mean and just unnecessarily cruel. Like it's so like I mean it's so cruel to the people it's killing. I mean these the death the bit the death scene with like the uh the biracial couple that lives next to you know Jamie or Lori Strode and they're the ones that call the you know fire department. I mean their death scene is overly long and overly and it's like literally for no reason like there's like no motivation behind him killing them except he just happens to walk up to their house and just start murdering them yeah and michael has no motive like if they're dead they're dead like michael's not gonna just be like he's not gonna well i shouldn't say that because he does like he is kind of an artist of if you've noticed you know in halloween like how he sets up bodies Mm -hmm. but he's not like but you know this the way like he just keeps stabbing and just planting knives in the old, old man while the while she's while you know the wife is like watching you know with her bleeding out like it's just so it's too much like it's way too much and then you have the gay couple that that just get i mean eviscerated just because um, they live in his old house yeah <laughs> like pretty much like <laughs> yeah and then on top of that you see um i mean just everyone that gets killed in this movie i mean just like it's brutal i mean it's just like there's like and i love and i do like you know graphic scenes of gore as i mentioned in malignant you know i felt like it didn't go that far but here it's like it's what it's the motive behind the kills. It just gets yeah, to Yeah, malignant there was motive behind what was happening. Even yeah. if it was kind of like this dark repressed like thing, like there was actually a motivation behind it. Whereas this it's just like killing for killing. Just like kind of kind of like in a lot of blockbusters recently like there'll be just kind of like spectacle for spectacle's sake like oh we gotta we gotta have an action scene so we're having this action scene it's kind of like that same mentality of like oh but we gotta have michael myers just murder brutally murder this person just because and then like the movie overall just kind of felt like a lot of filler like it just kind of felt like they were just kind of trying to pad out this story to make it through like it felt like kind of like similar to how Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald felt like it was like padding out so that they could make that story a five arc, a five film arc. Whereas this is supposed to be a three film arc, I guess, or like, oh, I guess four if you count the original, original. But like, the quartet. Yeah, like these sequels are kind of like a trilogy. And so it felt like it was like a lot of it was just kind of like padding out in order to make it that make that second film or that next movie like happen yeah and then on top of that you and and then on top of that like it's all for nothing like it's it's a very muddled message like the message 
I think the movie is going for is you can't allow like one event in your life, one traumatic event in your life to consume your whole life. You can't allow this one thing like take over. You can't let this one trauma because if if you do, it's gonna fuck up your family. It's gonna fuck up you know multiple generations of people, and you have to like find some other outlet because if you continue chasing the same, like trying to find meaning, trying to find, you know, like closure within that trauma. It's only going to result in even more trauma. It's going to result in even more. And I think, and that's what this kind of duology, Halloween and Halloween Kills, is trying to go for. But it's still muddled because everyone in this town has a very good reason to kill Michael Myers. Yeah. And then it's really weird that, like, so much emphasis is placed on these characters that, like, even though they're recurring characters from the original, quote unquote, they have no, like, they they're, they kind of just come out of nowhere in a sense. Like, at least in the context of this movie, like, they're just like, oh, these are the survivors of Michael Myers from 40 years ago, and they're all banging together, and like, they're, they're banding together so they can take on Michael Myers, and they're, they're angry, and they've got a vendetta, and like, it kind of just feels like very kind of slapped together and kind of haphazard. Yeah, and on top of that, it it feels very fan servicey as well because you cut to like who these characters are, and it's like, well, the fans know who these people are. Like we know yeah. who you know Lonnie and uh, Tommy Doyle. We know who all these you know we know who the Lindsay. We know who these characters are. So you know it's. We, we know who they are, so to keep being like, and we got these guys back. It's like, and then you kill, like, all of them off, except for yeah. one. Um, it, it was just like, you know, and it just, I mean, I get, like, David Gordon Green is trying to have, like, the theme of you have to let go of the trauma, but also but also have like the showcase of gore, like to show that Michael is just pure evil and has to be stopped. And it kind of like, they kind of like, you know, just keep hitting a wall with each other with theme wise, because, you know, the, it's punishing the main characters, but also like having fun with like the gore as well. And I don't think it, that kind of combination jives very well. No. That's why for me, like Halloween Kills is lesser than Halloween 2018. And, and and not to rehash my review of the 2018 one, Halloween 2018 has a lot of exposition <clears throat> in the first half, and it really bogs the movie down because you just have characters explaining their relationship to each other. When <laughs> When the cinematic language that Gordon Green is establishing works just fine. Yeah. Like, it, it's just... It, it's almost like Gordon Green doesn't trust the audience enough, so we have to have Judy Greer explain, like, in monotone tone, yeah, and she was just a crazy bitch my whole life. <laughs> yeah. And... <laughs> 
It's like you and David Gordon Green is a very good director. I don't get it. Nothing caught me off guard as much as the line of dialogue in the 2018 one. I got peanut butter on my penis. I was like, what the fuck? Who wrote this? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Danny McBride. Danny McBride definitely wrote that. Somebody yeah. you did like yeah. And then um, in this one, I need a car. I got a car. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> well, great. <laughs> nothing, nothing was funnier though than when the 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 lady that was dressed in the nurse's outfit is trying to k- shoot Michael, and he kicks the car door open, and he like hits her hand so the her hand twists and she shoots herself, and I'm just like, what is this? Oh my god. Or, you know, when the woman, or when the old old lady tries to shoot Michael, and she's like, it's over. And it doesn't go, because she wasted all of her bullets in her little revolver. And then yeah. when, when, he, when he breaks the window, and she locks the car door anyways, so that's going to stop him. <laughs> like... <laughs> Or even better, when we have the old man at the very end of the movie, like after uh, Karen, Judy Greer's character stabs him in the back, and they all think he's dead, but you have the little old man just like waving the gun around, gonna point shooting it in the head. It's like what in the what's going on here, folks? Like I thought y'all were wanting to kill him. I was expecting like horses to be, you know, tying on all torsos and ripping, you know, I mean, I'm expecting like a bloodbath. I'm expecting a wood chipper to come in and for y'all to shove him in there. Like, I, I'm, ex- like, you guys don't seem this angry as y'all were like an hour ago. And then like, I, I don't know. So to me, like one thing that kind of like deflates any sense of tension in terms of what's going to happen to Michael I, I just to put things in perspective prior to yesterday I had only seen the original Halloween ever and so I haven't seen any of the other sequels or anything but like to me he like in that movie he's just a guy that happens to get a knife and kill some people he's not some supernatural entity and that seems like something that totally changed when they decided to kind of franchise this and like they kind of it feels like they kind of like want to like find an excuse to keep him alive so they can bring him back in another movie and it just kind of feels like it it just feels kind of ridiculous like it's like okay all these people are like beating the crap out of him and shoot him like multiple times and he still he survives all this like what (laughs) yeah um on top of that you know oh yeah like it's someone who's seen all of the halloween movies um yeah, as someone who's seen all of them, I, I can testify that, yes, Halloween 2, the original Halloween 2, uh, like, changed up the, like, it has permanently damaged the franchise up until the 2018 Because they mentioned the whole, you know, Lori is, you know, Michael's sister, and then they had to do the whole, in 4 and 5 and 6, you know, Lori had a daughter, you know, so now Michael's going to chase the daughter, you know, or the niece, whatever. Yeah, and then, yeah, it's it's been completely, like, ruined till like, 2018, you know, came along and, and then they did this, um, which has become a great what-if scenario of, like, just what if, like, there was no sibling connection and just, like, 
Lori just was like super fucked up and just decided to stay in Haddonfield. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. It's an, I mean, it, and there are interesting aspects of the story. And then what I will say about the movie, the original movie, is that the ending still owns. Like the oh no, the original is the original is amazing. The oh wait, are you talking about the twenty eighteen? Are you talking about the, the, original, the original ending of the 2018? The original okay. the ending of the 2018 one, I think, still like it still bangs. Okay. I don't know how you felt about it, but it was like it was like just like the the sequencing of events that happen from like when Allison shows up till like they burn the house down. It's an incredible ending because you see these three generations of women fight off one male, one male killer, mm-hmm. you know, in order to break free from the cage that Lori is, you know, trapped herself in. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good, and I mean, the original, it's the original 1978 is also really good too. I know we haven't talked about it yet, but I mean, it is a really good movie and I just bought it on 4K, so uh, it looks really good even though, I don't know why it's all of a sudden more white than usual. Um. Anyway, oh, we gotta talk about some suicide in this movie. Suicide Squad. Oh no, 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 no! no, no. It's just the one person that dies. No, the the guy that jumps off the the thing. Okay. Yeah, we have to talk about it because this is to me like been the grossest part of the movie. Because like you have the scene where the whole town is like you know, like, losing their shit over Michael Myers. I thought it was, like, hilariously melodramatic when, like, they're, like, he's the wrong guy, and there's, like, all these people, like, just, like, like, storming around and, like, marching over people. Like, I was just, like, what is that? This, like, feels like it was taken out of a really shitty sitcom or something, or some, like, really, really bad drama on television. Yeah, it's the wrong, well, and yeah, and so the sequence is, is that, you know, we have this, this other escape mental patient, which we do not know the name of, I don't believe. We just know he's just, you know, a scared guy who got in a bad car accident, and he's trying to get away from everyone that's trying to kill him. Well... Judy Greer, like, she's, Karen, you know, does, like, the psychiatrist thing and, like, you know, eases him into, like, this place where she, where she thinks he'll be safe, because he's between, like, these two locked doors, doesn't really work out, and then he throws the chair out the window and commits suicide, and it's a really scary moment. It's a really terrible, to me, it's a terrifying moment, because, I mean, this person, like, David Gordon Green builds a lot of empathy for this wrong person, like, from like he does his best to give a lot of empathy yes it's very melodramatic but there the direction is meant to be you're supposed to have empathetic empathy for this character and then he falls and then you just see like the gruesome like he's still breathing even though his head is like completely shattered and brain is everywhere like i mean it's just like oh like to me that scene is like embodies the whole film like it, it, it just like embodies the whole tone where it's like we want to be serious. We want to have the theme about like how trauma and fear, like is a curse for the town. 
of Haddonfield, but we also want to be like super gory and over the top. And it's just like, and it doesn't work. Like the whole, like the attitude does not work. The, the mean spiritness doesn't work. Tommy yeah. in this movie would have totally participated in the Capitol riots. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Lori definitely is an anti-vaxxer. <laughs> no, she doesn't even know about COVID. She doesn't even believe she believes Michael is an evil entity that's coming out for her. But but COVID, no, she doesn't believe it exists. Yeah, no. Also, it was weird to me that like the police officer was just sitting there almost all night bleeding out and he happened to like the that kid happened to like come across him and be like oh just in time to save his life yeah but i will say this though will Patton like nearly saves the movie for me like his like whole performance and his whole like story about how like he saved michael from loomis like you know, I mean, Patton really does give a good performance here. Like, even if it's stuck in a, like, very tonally misshaped movie. But, and also, what I love about what he does here with Hawkins is Hawkins also is a character, he understands Michael Myers better than Loomis did, because Loomis is just also is a crazy psychopath who doesn't know, who just went mad trying to cure, and then Laurie just got, like, really fucked up. And so Hawkins is really the only one that understands that Michael, in the end, he's just a six-year-old boy trapped in a man's body with the mind of an animal. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, this movie finally figures out what Michael is. He's not this superhuman being. He's not this super... I mean, for some reason... Yeah, they they figure out what he is, but they still make him the supernatural being with, like, insane strength and, like, magical, like armor and the ability to just yeah. like appear anywhere the ability to endure like multiple gunshots and knives and a pitchfork yeah um uh, yeah but i mean it, it humanized it finally decides to give reason other than he just wants to kill Lori Strode, which is isn't even a thing in these two movies so He's, he just so happens to show up where Lori's at. Yeah. Um, what else? Oh, and the ending sucks. It's, just, <laughs> it's totally terrible. Like, it doesn't, like, like, who, like, why? I have some, you know what, do, do you want to talk about the ending? Sure. I, I thought it was bad, too. <laughs> Like, poor Judy Greer, she finally gets to be a character in a franchise, and she's killed off uh, because of poor, lazy writing. Mm -hmm. Also, like, why did she go up there? She saw the shadow of someone? It looked like she, like, saw Michael as a boy, like, in the window, like, because there's, like, a kid in that clown costume. And so she goes up there, I guess, to look at it for reasons, question mark, and just stares out the window and Michael just appears out of nowhere and kills her. And she's kind of like, what? <laughs> yeah, I have like a lot of questions. And the problem, and the problem with uh, Halloween ends is it looks like it's there's going to be a four-year jump. 
Oh, why is that? To catch up with contemporary. Well, Green said they can catch up with contemporary times. Oh. Um, but also, so we're not even. I, I guess they'll recap what happened, but still, it's just one of those like. So we're not even going to see like the rest of this night, you know, fulfilled. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, and what's weird is I, I, I will go to bat for David Gordon Green as a good director, but the choices he's making for this franchise is a little bit like, um, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Jim Cummings yeah. cameo. <laughs> Where is he at? He was that police officer that Michael kills in the flashback. Oh, oh, right. Oh, you mean Hawkins kills? Oh, well, Hawkins kills trying to kill Michael, but Michael, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sort of. It's accidental death. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, Halloween kills. I was looking forward to it. Um and the movie is kind of bad like even the like michael coming out and killing all the firefighters just doesn't work for me yeah it kind of just feels like a lot of like self-masturbatory like gore session of like <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah it's not yeah yeah i mean hey the special effects budget <laughs> got really beefed up but whatever but we're still going to waste all this time in a hospital because reasons. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> we can't just get out of a damn hospital. It was kind of like hilarious how Lori went from like, not necessarily the protagonist, but a very prominent character in the first one to just bedridden in this one pretty much. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get it. I mean, she got stabbed a bunch. Yeah. yeah. But still, it's one of those like, um, damn it, y'all, come on. Like, or, or better yet, you know, just have it take place like a week later. I don't know. I like, I don't know. Like, they kind of wrote themselves in the corner. Yeah. Like, I feel like I, I want to say like the original plan, because this was supposed to be a two parter story. Like this was supposed Only to be two films. Yes. So it is stretched out unnecessarily, probably. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <sighs> um, is there anything else to say on Halloween Kills? It's doo-doo. <laughs> um, hey, the score was good. I okay. I will always yeah. I'll be listening to this score, but yeah. I'm sorry, John Carpenter, it wasn't good. The movie wasn't. Your score is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, better luck next year is what I say. Um, so with that, um, David, is there any more to talk about with Halloween Kills? It killed any interest I have in <laughs> the rest of them. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. All right, sorry, Dave. All right. No. All right, all right. With that said, um, well, David, where can the good people find you? And do you have a blog? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter and then I have a blog. It's called Film Assessment. Uh, my most recent review is on No Time to Die. Um, I definitely will be writing a review for Dune. Um, we'll see about anything else. Uh, I'm not sure I'll write a full review on either of these two. If I do, it'll be like a little mini recap type thing. Um, so yeah, if you want to go check out my No Time to Die review, um, that's the first review I've written in a few months. Um, and then you can find me on Twitter at wiser underscore David. And then the handle for my blog is film assessment. All right. And then you can find me on Twitter at MovieKale. And as David mentioned next week, or as his next review, uh, we will definitely be talking about Dune uh, next week. So check back in. And um, yeah, hopefully Dune is really good. I'm hoping they're most anticipated. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Thanks, everyone. We'll be back with y'all uh, next I'm not just going to sit and watch another innocent person die. If you track Michael's victims, that's a straight line to Michael's childhood home. What do we do? We fight. Let's hunt him down. Michael Myers is flesh and blood. But a man couldn't have survived that fire. The more he kills, the more he transcends. Run! Go home now! He's the essence of evil. for you, Michael.